God, I appreciate you all listening in last week, and as you knew, I was on the road down to um, do the wedding for my sister who um, got married, and we just thank God for that. I shared with you, she's been doing really good. She's been out of prison now for four years, and she is in a program that is helping other convicts, addicts, people with mental challenges, and I just couldn't be more proud and thankful of her for the progress that she's made, and God to be praised and blessed for this. Um, and the man she married is a wonderful man. He, Robert, he's just amazing, and I thank God for him, and was so glad to be there. And what was even more exciting, folks, is being around so many family members that were just absolutely mess ups disasters um we were the you know horrible people and seeing god's redemptive power through my family has been so wonderful and amazing and i know it's because people refused to give up and stop fighting and they pressed in and they sought the lord and god ultimately gave the deliverance and started turning hearts around. This is what I want to share tonight about what's going on now in America and what you're going to do about it or not do about it. Because folks, when we talk so much about being in the end times, yes, it's true. And 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 it is really bad. And we are very close to destruction and, and everything basically having our Babylonian uh, minute, our, our our handwriting on the wall moment, you know, where we go to bed one night, we wake up and it's, you know, a new kingdom, you know, taken over. Well, I've got news for you. The kingdom has already taken over. We are living in a very dark time. Let's pray. Father, thank you in Yeshua's name for your blessings and your mercy. Bless this program to your honor and glory in Yeshua's precious name. Amen. So, yeah, we are living in a very, very dark time, a time that, as you see it, folks, is so bad. I actually think the the believers today, because they've been so oversaturated with the evil and wickedness, don't even understand or feel how bad it is anymore. It used to be that the sought of these transgender and things like that would make a person cringe. Ugh. And it was and it was just frightful. But now today it doesn't bother so much. And here we've gone through this whole, you know, Pride Month, right? That's gone been going on where they stole the very promise of God in the rainbow and they've turned it into something uh vicious and, and horrible and, and disgusting and, and repulsive. And and people aren't even hardly moved by it anymore. It's just a way of life. I mean, it's so bad. You know, people are, wish people were just gay because they don't even understand this new transgender movement. They don't even understand all these different genders out there. It's so confusing. Yet all of it is so gross and offensive. And for us here in Remnant Call, you know, We've been getting back programs knocked off, deleted um, by YouTube, coming under you know their uh, authoritative um, dominance of of censorship, 
And I'm sure, you know, in the future one day, we probably will be kicked off. But it that doesn't really matter. Now, just remember, if we are, check us out on Rumble. We're still going to be there as long as we can also. But it doesn't really matter because YouTube doesn't control my voice. Nobody controls our voice except our fear or our faith and God. We can make that decision by what we choose to stand up for. And when I look out and understand the total depravity that has fallen upon our children nationwide, and I was just reading earlier in the news, and you know I have warned against AI so much here, and and in the, um, being in a person who I own a a managed service provider, you know, an IT company, and you know we deal with cutting edge technology and security is what we focus on all the time. I understand the dangers. I don't just rattle it off because I read it on some, you know, news site somewhere on the internet. I actually know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. Okay. I might not be smart in everything else, but when it comes to this topic, I do understand what I'm talking about. And I've warned about it over and over. And now that AI is being used to generate child pornography, blackmail other teenagers are using it to blackmail each other and the experts are warning but you know what people aren't paying attention they don't really care i mean some do but nobody's taking any action about it they don't care what their kids watch it's easier just to let them do what they're going to do so they'll shut up and stay out of our hair when the truth is that the devil is in your phones in your technology Matter of fact, he's in the churches today because there's no preaching of the gospel. The devil can attend the churches in the United States and not even feel hot in the seat because rarely are anybody preaching a word of rebuke. And so here we are. Everything's falling apart. We are so beyond Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is actually probably had better, way better morals than we did, okay? They're nowhere close to where we are. You know, the lies, you saw the, the absolute um, wickedness in our own government, the, the absolute um, just uh, corruption that runs rampant, the threats of nuclear war that are all over. I mean, we, nobody, it's like there's this fog over Babylon, right? And everybody's been just wooed to sleep. And nobody is doing anything about it. I'm not saying you're going to turn the United States back around. I don't believe that one bit. Our cup's full, brother and sister. But you can make a difference in your children, in your family. Now, they may not want to listen, but you standing on principle will be that guiding light later on when they remember that. That may pull them, the Lord may use to pull them back. But if we compromise and we don't stand on anything, then we've set no foundation. And if you've messed up and you didn't do it before, you can start now. Listen, you can't beat yourself up over your parenting because if that's the case, we'd all beat ourselves to death. But we can't change from this day forward how we move forward. We can repent and ask God to forgive us and then change our, change our lives, change ourselves by the power of the living God. And there's a struggle because people forgot that our God is powerful. So there's no fight from the churches. 
Everybody's come out of the closet except the Christians. They're nowhere to be heard. And the very few who stand up and say anything, they're shunned. They're they're considered mean, angry, hateful. I don't want to hear this kind of talk. Show me a, a, a soft and, and loving God that doesn't care about anything. You see, the problem is God is so small in people's lives. The shadow he casts is very small behind them because the light is so dim. But the greater the light, the bigger God is, the greater the shadow. But if God doesn't shine bright, then then he's it's you're just you're fooling yourselves. I question how big is God in so many people's lives? Is he big enough to tell you what to do? Is he big enough to tell you how to dress? Is he big enough to tell you what to watch or what to eat or how to treat other people? How big is God in your life? You see, you are at a crossroads in the United States of America. You will either conform with the society or you will take a stand against it. And those who will take a stand against it are going to be in the absolute minority. And it will get smaller and smaller and smaller because there will be many who will stand up at first. But as they start to turn the screws, they start to put the pressure, they start to test your faith, many will back away and eventually will turn. But my question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about the situation that we're in? It reminds me of a story. In 2 Kings chapter 18, that remember the young, passionate Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, who was about 25 years old when he began his righteous reign in Judah. Israel was an absolute mess in the Bible. They had sinned against the Lord, but it wasn't always so outwardly. The Bible says they did it in secret in those days. They didn't want everyone to see what was really going on. They had set up images, high places of worship. They even took the bronze serpent that Moses had made in the wilderness and began to worship it. Folks, that's the problem. It's the things done in secret. If we can just maintain a good face in public, then great, we can live how we want in secret so we can maintain that image. The best thing, folks, that ever happened to me was in 1999 when I lost my reputation and I was exposed for the hypocrite, drug addict, adulterer, porn addict, everything. I've been, I've done everything you could ever imagine in the world. And I was exposed for my hypocrisy. And when I was... It was a beautiful gift because I couldn't hide anymore. I was exposed for who I was. I was truly a disaster and I could no longer hide behind my lies. That's why sometimes people, when I've been places before and I've shown, shared my conversion, people are shocked or, yeah, you know, I mean, they're almost like, why would you even share that with someone? You know what I mean? Or it could be embarrassing. I've got family members who don't always like every, anybody to know we've got dysfunction in our families. I'm like, who cares? Who cares if we have dysfunction? That's what God is about redemption. I'm not going to try to hide among, about our problems. God is able to forgive and to cleanse and renew. But we 
I've had people, you know, say those, you know, wonder why, you know, I would share these things. And it's because I can share that the power of God can overcome no matter how bad of a situation. I don't care if you leave your house one morning in 1999, strung out on crystal meth, running around on your wife, doing every foul and vile sin under the sun you can imagine, because you might just be surprised that that may be the day that the Lord decides this is the day Frank or you ever gets born again. And that's exactly what happened to me outside of a church. After reading that powerful book by Brother Benjamin on the day of the Lord is at hand, God reached down and shook me so hard. And I met Jesus for the first time in my life, even though I had been going to church. But here we are, just like Hezekiah, Israel's a mess, and here comes the king on fire for God. Do you remember when you first met the Lord? Some of you um, listening to me here, how on fire you were, but after time, kind of the fire dies down. We'll talk about that. Hezekiah is on fire. He tears down the high places, one of the few kings to do that, destroys the images the people had set up, even destroyed the bronze serpent because it was causing people to stumble. Second Kings 18.5 says this, he trusted in the Lord, God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He was a good man. He restored worship back to the temple where it should be. Things were going well in Israel once again. Amen. We all have had, most likely, in your life somewhere, after coming to meet the Lord, we've had a great time. We've had a season of, of blessings. We've had a season of, of, of joys, rejoicing. But we all know that good things don't always last forever. We forget sometimes we serve the Lord that there is an enemy who's seeking to destroy us. Just six years into the reign of King Hezekiah, he saw Samaria, Israel's northern kingdom, captured by the king of Assyria, but Judah, the southern kingdom, was safe and was doing well until 14 years into the king's reign. Picking up in 2 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 13, listen to what it says. Now, in the 14th year of the king Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me that which was puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasure of the king's house. And that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now we got a real problem here. Hezekiah, that righteous king, had been blessed with a good time of peace and prosperity in Israel. But sometimes, folks, as much as we love peace and prosperity, it can actually work to our detriment when things are always going perfect. 
We can tend to forget about all the crises and all of the of the situations that we've been in, all of the trials and the temptations that the Lord has delivered us. And here, out of nowhere, it seems like Hezekiah has all of a sudden lost his mind. He try he pulls all of the silver out of the house of the Lord, and then he takes the gold off of the pillars um, of the doors of the temple. And from the pillars which the king had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. You see, folks, you cannot appease the enemies of God by giving away the good things of God. You understand what I'm talking about? You cannot appease the world by compromising the truth. You cannot appease your children by giving in to their ways. You cannot appease people in this earth by giving in to things that are wrong. It won't matter. They will ask more of you. It will never quit. They will take more and more advantage of you. Picking up in in verse 18, and when they had called the king, there came out to Alechim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household of Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. And Rabshaki said unto them, speaking now to Hezekiah, thus saith the king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein thou trusteth? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counseled and strengthened in strength for war, now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of the bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, he will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust in him. But if you say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God. Is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and hath said to Judah and Jerusalem, ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Do you see what Rabshak is doing, the, con- the confusion that he's coming down here and delivering to God's people? Because Hezekiah now is not standing for the truth. Because he didn't stand up, he gave in into the demands. He has become weak. He has set a bad example all of a sudden. He is going the wrong way. And now confusion sets in to where they first understood that the high places were wicked when King Hezekiah tore them down and stood for truth and righteousness and holiness. But now that he's given in and compromised the things of God. Now the devil in Rabshaki is using that back against them to confuse them and all of a sudden make them think that the unholy things were somehow holy and that their king really, (coughs) excuse me, messed it all up to begin with. Picking up in verse 28. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand, neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and the city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. So here Rabshakeh says, Don't even think for a minute. If this weak, pathetic king can deliver you or the almighty Yahweh can even stand up and deliver you, he will not deliver you, but surely you will be delivered into the king of Assyria's hand. 
Then he continues in verse 33, hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim and Hannah and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand that the Lord or Yahweh shall deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? So what he's done now, he's planted doubt and saying, you know what? Your God is just like these, all these other little gods all around here. They had no power to stop the king of Assyria. They had no power to do this. So they bring the word to the king and they tell him, and he is deeply disturbed by the words of Rabshakeh. Listen to what he says. Second Kings chapter 19, starting in verse three. And they said unto him, thus saith Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy for the children are come to birth and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master hath sent to reprove, reproach the living God and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard, wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. Did you hear the lack of faith in the king's words? The king that did such marvelous, wonderful things through the power of the almighty God is now weak. Wondering, is it true? Maybe God will give in and do and give in to the will of the king of Assyria and do what the words of Rabshakeh instead of, of doing this. We, we, you know, pray at least for the remnant that will be, you know, will be left. I thank God that he still had someone in the land with his head on right. The prophet Isaiah. Praise God for the prophet Isaiah. What a man of God. What a man of God. Isaiah's life is just amazing. And I don't want to go down that trail, but the things he did, it was unbelievable. If you look deeply into some of the things that he did. So Isaiah finds out by the word of the Lord. And he sends word back to the king to not worry because he will cause the king of Assyria to hear a rumor and return unto his own land, and he will fall by the sword. Now, thank God for that, that God had had enough. But I wanted to reread that last verse again, because there was something in there that's right at the tail end that I don't want you to miss. Remember when the king was talking about, will the Lord give in to the words of Rabshak? You listen to what he says again. Second Kings chapter 19, verse four. It may be the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, who the king of Assyria, his master hath sent to reproach the living God and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. There was so much doubt in that but at the same time there was still faith because he said at the very end pray for the remnant you see even though the king 
was sent word by the prophet Isaiah to don't worry that the king of Assyria will hear of a rumor of war that will turn back. Does that mean everything's okay now? No, it doesn't. But the word of the Lord will be fulfilled. So Rabshakeh returns and finds the king of Assyria at war and hears that the king of Ethiopia is coming up to fight and immediately sends word back to Hezekiah and listen to what he says. Second Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Behold, thou hast heard what the king of Assyria hath done to all the lands by destroying them utterly. And shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed as Gozan and Haran and Rezvav? And the children of Eden, which were in Thelazar, where is the king of Hamath? Where is the king of Arpad? Where is the king of Sepharvaim and Hema and Iva? So here Hezekiah, he is back to where he started. He had tried to pay off the king of Assyria. That wasn't good enough. He had taken the gold off the temple doors. That wasn't good enough. He had heard the word of the Lord from Isaiah, but he was still troubled. You can't make the wicked love you by compromising the truth, as I said earlier. You, it doesn't matter what happens. There has to come a point in our lives where we've said enough is enough. I've tried compromise. I've done all the things there to please the wicked, and I cannot do it anymore. You see... We know as believers that God refines us as gold, the Bible says, to get rid of the impurities in the fire so that we can walk in holiness. You see, God can't compromise the holiness and the standards by which God asks us to live in order to make the wicked love us. So many churches, so many believers think that they can somehow lower the standard in order to attract people to come to the Lord. You know, have a cup of coffee, grab a Danish, sit up there, put your feet on the on the pew in front of you, you know, and and hear a three point sermon about absolutely nothing. That's their idea of church. The truth is. It doesn't matter how many T-shirts you have. That talk about Jesus. And how many stickers you have on your car that talk about Jesus. It's not until we are willing to stand up and put our faith in God that we are actually going to be able to see the Lord deliver. It's not until we are willing to step out into the storm that we give God the opportunity to say, peace, be still. You see, they tried everything possible to row Jonah to the shore. They did. They, the wicked actually tried to save God's chosen Jonah. And they did, but nothing would work until Jonah finally jumped out into the ocean, into the storm that God was able to deliver. But this time, Hezekiah finally gets it. After the compromise, after the failures, after being troubled, even from after Isaiah's word, he finally does something different. Listen to what happens in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messenger and read it. 
And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before Yahweh and said, O Lord, God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent by him to reproach the living God of a truth, Lord. The king of Assyria has destroyed the nations and their lands and has cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save us out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Wow. So here, Hezekiah goes back to the roots of his faith. It says when he took that letter, he went where? He went into the temple. He went into the temple and he spread it before the Lord. You see, folks, it doesn't matter what we've done in life, where we are in our faith journey, what's going on in this world, how bizarre, how sick, how disgusting it is. We got to get back to the temple of the Lord. We got to get back into our prayer closets, get back into seeking his face, because that is where we will find the Lord. He's been there the entire time and he goes there. He takes it. He spreads it out. He lays it before the Lord. He says, look, Lord, I'm not going to sugarcoat this thing it is true yes they have done these things they have destroyed them but lord please listen to me lord please hear bend your ear down lord please hear what i say i beseech thee uh, save thou us lord out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the lord god even thou only You know what? After all that compromise and all that mess up, the king comes to a place where he is so desperate in life. He's realized and understood that the way the paths he initially took were wrong. He's understood that he's in a place of no return. He understands that he's about to be destroyed. He understands that this is a do or die moment. And what does he do out of desperation? He runs and lays it all out before God. And I'm, I don't know for a fact, but I'll, my feeling is, is that he was at the bottom and he was in total desperation. That's what I sense coming from the scripture here that you can't get any more desperate than the king was right then that he was completely relying upon God's deliverance at that moment and when God heard that he sends back a powerful word through Isaiah the prophet and sums it up by saying this first king second kings chapter 19 verse 32 starting therefore thus saith the lord concerning the king of assyria He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it will come to pass that night 
the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Syrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. God had had enough. That was it. He was tired of his people being messed with, but the people needed to get a message. It was only by God shall they see deliverance. There's not enough gold. There's not enough silver. There's not enough food in your stockpile. And you know, I am not against putting some food and water away. I think it's wise preparation. You know, there's not enough of that out there to deliver you in the last days. It must be God. And at the moment, the king finally hit that place of desperation as I did in 1999 when I left my house strung out and I got born again I got desperate because I had tried a million times to get free it seemed like and I had failed every one of them but when I hit that bottom and I cried from the bottom of my heart and I believe the king was there too that is when I met Jesus so many today have been wondering, and it's true, folks, it's okay to admit it. Where is God? I haven't heard from him in a long time. You've been beaten down. You've known the truth of God's word. But for some reason, Rabshakeh has been telling you lies all the time lately. God can't deliver you. You've tried to pray, but every time you feel an ounce of deliverance, it seems like the messengers of Satan just come back and tell you how bad and how unworthy you are. If God really loved you, then why haven't you had victory yet? Have you heard that before? I bet in some form you've heard it at some point. That's lies. That's the king of Assyria. That's the devil trying to tell you that God doesn't care when the truth is sometimes God's waiting for us to get a message. And the message is simple. It's only by him shall we find deliverance. It's at that moment when the truth of God that you have known many of you since you were children and that the word of God comes from the Lord and says God will fight for you and he will protect you. He has not forgotten and he certainly has not left you and just like hezekiah it's time folks to fight back hezekiah didn't go out and strengthen the armies in his weakness that's not what he did to fight back he went and got on his knees and he cried out before god that's how he fought back being a true believer our war is on our knees we fight on our knees and we stand up for truth. We don't go out there and, and have to take out swords and slay people. We slay with the spirit. We use the word of God as our weaponry, but we stand up for the truth of what is right and what is wrong. And when we get in tune with God and in his words, the words of the most high begin to ring through in our lives. For those who have been struggling to stay on this right path, I've got a word from the Bible to you right now. I will go before you and make the crooked path straight. I will break the pieces, the gates of bronze, and cut the bars of iron, the Lord says in Isaiah. For you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will fight your be your rear guard. 
Therefore, understand today the Lord your God is he who goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said unto you in the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Sometimes, folks, we need to shut up for a moment and let God be God in our lives. And just because we don't understand it, it's okay. He is still in control, and he will fight for you. Isaiah 49, 25 says, For I will contend with him who contends with you. You are so much more valuable than the enemies of this world. But sometimes God allows us to get the message. And it's okay because it's time to get the message, get on our knees, and like Hezekiah, let's spread it out before the Lord. Lord, I've messed up. Lord, I've done wrong. Lord, I've been involved in things I shouldn't be involved in. Lord, I've made promises I haven't kept. Lord, I've failed you so many times. Lord, I've done things that you that are that are a reproach to the enemy. I've given you a bad name by my actions, Lord. Whatever it is, we confess it. We lay it out and we acknowledge that only by the Lord, by Yahweh, shall we find deliverance. It's time to fight. It's time that we get our fight songs and we begin to sing unto the Lord the deliverance that God has for his people. This is Brother Frank encouraging you all to lay it all out before him and allow him to do his mighty work in you to take back our families and our children. I don't care that the world is falling apart. What I care about is that people know who Jesus is. People know who our Heavenly Father is. And our children have been pointed in the right direction. And regardless of what we've done in the past and how we've messed up, we start today by setting a new example. And even if they call us hypocrites, so be it. I would rather be called a hypocrite and start living right than be called a real nice guy and compromise unto the world. This is Brother Frank saying to everybody, Good night and shalom. Trumpet in time.